You know what, Kinsley? We are one day closer to Nationwide's primetime event, 18th through the 21st in October. And guess where we're going? Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. The Venetian at Vegas. And it's a primetime event, and I love it because it's a chance to get together. Don't you kind of think like it's going to be off the hook good because at this point people are probably like going to be looking forward to be around and being around other people and kind of having the energy of that event kind of uh, jack them up. Everyone seems to be doing really well right now. So to get together with everyone, I just think it's going to be a blast. Oh, it's at the Venetian. You know what's going to happen? So last time it was me, you and Whitaker, and we ended up in a, in a two person rickshaw, but all three of us, we're in the rickshaw. You, me, and Whitaker are going to be going through one of those canals with a guy singing to us in one of the boats. Gondola. The gondola. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Hey, can All you right. what, hum a couple of bars? What do you think it'll sound like? Say that again. I got no, a like call. Hum now. a couple of bars. Like sing some of the some of the Sol beautiful. Oh, <clears throat> you ready? Hang on. Mm -hmm. Sola mio. Sola mio. Is that what they sing? That's beautiful. You know what? Here's what I want to have happen. I don't if think you that's can, so Maybe beautiful. I should put out a poll for this. Someone, I want people kill the dog. to sign up to get Mark Quinn to wear one of those outfits with the hats and one of the little red scarves and him be the one that sings to us and, and runs the gondola. I have an idea on top of that. And maybe it's you and me both, but we will serenade somebody on the gondola ride at the Venetian Hotel. How about that? Done. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, October 18th there we go. the 21st. If you need details for Nationwide Primetime, if you want to hang out with Dos Marcos and this, all the fun, all the savings, all the community, it's happening at Nationwide Primetime. Go to nationwideprimetime.com. Get all the details. Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait. Isn't this the only Mattress Industry Podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. All right, Quinn, I'm supposed to ask you something to open the show, and it just slipped my mind. So allow me. No, you went to Chicago. That's it. I did. Quinn, tell me about going to Chicago. No, so uh, my son, Nick, uh, plays AAU basketball. So they had a tournament in Chicago. And, you know, we lived there for nine years, seven years in the city. And so both my kids were born in Chicago. So we love that town. And my daughter came along with a couple of her friends. My son brought his friend, Tristan. Gabby brought Sophia and Vanessa. And so we just had this blast. So um, they all stayed in the city. Well, we're in the city. Okay. So this whole COVID thing, right. And it's weird because you're walking in the streets and everywhere you go, everyone's in a mask and I, and I get it. And so we're trying to be careful. And so walking through the hotel, um, uh, actually we're on our floor, the eighth floor and we're going to the elevator and I had my, my mask on my ears, but it was like under my chin because you don't, uh, I didn't think you had to have it until you got into the lobby. Well, my son, Nick and Tristan both had their mask on. So we get onto the elevator and there are these two guys in the elevator and they looked at us like, oh my gosh, there's other human beings and they're about to get on this elevator and they did not want us to be on the same elevator. So the guy says, stop the elevator door and he gets out 
And he says, I'm getting out of here. And I go, okay. And he says, you're supposed to have a mask on. And he points at me very aggressively. And he's like, you right and there, Abraham Lincoln, with you your Abraham do. Lincoln mask. Exactly. And I said, I have, and, and then I'm like, oh, I don't, it's not on my mouth. I said, I am so sorry. So he starts to yell at me. He's like, this is the, the sign says right here that you have to have a mask on and you don't have a mask on. And that's complete bullshit. And he's swearing at me. And I'm like, this guy is like tripping, right? So I go, dude, I am so sorry. I said, I just didn't realize I didn't have, I'll put her. He said, that, I don't care. You saw the sign. You know, you saw the sign. I'm calling the police. <laughs> I said, listen, you don't have to be a dick about this. You just don't. Like, I get it. And I'm sorry. So when I said, you don't have to be a dick about this, Nick, my son starts to laugh. Because, you know, this guy is just being ridiculous. So the guy turns to Nick and points his finger in Nick's face. He says, I'm going to F you up, kid. Well, Nick's 16, right? And I'm like, this, this guy is, so anyway, so now he's like really mad. And he's pointing at Nick. And then Tristan's in the escalator. Now Tristan's laughing. And so the guy's like screaming at me on, on, as the doors close. He's like, I'm calling the police. You know, and so anyway, that was it. And so I thought it was, I thought it was going to go down right there in the elevator. Did the, did the cops show up? No, we got out of there. <laughs> now I'm starting to pick up we on, took this, off. on the sense that people are on edge, maybe a little bit. Oh, the, the guy was so edgy. And what was really, yeah, the guy was totally edgy. Um, and he was just belligerent. And, and I tried apologizing to the guy a couple of times. And then at some point you're like, you know what? I'm not taking this from this guy. I get it. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, you don't have to be um, difficult or rude. Right. So anyway, it was just funny. And uh, so he, he left and it, it's all good now, but I just thought, wow, people are really like on the verge. I think there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. So people are kind of cracking up a little bit, mm -hmm. little bit. There's though? three other examples. When he was yelling at you, was he yelling at you through his mask so his particulates were contained, at least? <laughs> yes, he was. Because if somebody's yelling that, at me through that his upset, mask. he might, I mean, he sounds like he was frothing at the mouth. <laughs> we <laughs> didn't see that, um, but I should have just said, I will, I will take that mask off you right now. You better just get to step in, turn around, get the other elevator. The truth is, my son, who's 16, and six feet one inches tall and his buddy, um, you know, they, they, they probably could have taken the guy. No problem. I would have never had to get involved, but it didn't, didn't it did come to blows. To <laughs> I should have said, go kick that guy's butt. No, but you know, when stuff like that happens, Nick, too, take care of my you, light work. Uh, yeah. Aren't you also thinking, okay, this is a dad moment. Like, how are you going to handle this guy? Right. So you want your kid to see you behaving well and handling situations like that well. So anyway, that was going through my mind as well. But, you know, hey anyway, man, it's a little weird. Because you could have easily broken out the nunchucks, dusted off the mm -hmm. old jujitsu moves, and, and gone. A, it could have gone a different way. So I'm proud of you for the restraint. I, I really thought it was maybe a time for a roundhouse, like right to the temple of his head. But the elevator was tight, and I didn't know if I could get around completely. So I just... You would have had to decided. do a, a snap kick out the front while the elevator is closing, not a roundhouse. I mean, well, I, that came to me late. I thought if it wasn't the roundhouse, it was going to be a front kick straight through the, the doors. And then the doors closed and I, and I lost my opportunity. So anyway, Luis, have you ever front kicked anyone out of an elevator before? 
No, I have not. Never. That doesn't. Um, they don't have as many high rises, I don't think, in Baton Rouge, Kenner, that that part of the country. I mean, maybe a few high rises, but probably not as many. We have enough, uh, you know, crazy people, but I think that's all over, right? <laughs> well, and we I, got I, Louise. I, I do carry my mask everywhere I go, so I don't get in that situation. Yeah. That's smart Quinn did. Yeah, he's not doing the Abe Lincoln move, Quinn. <laughs> I had it on, guys. Come on. <laughs> I had it on. I saw somebody post something like, you know, it was a picture of a person, like a drawing of a person without underwear on and then a person with the underwear pulled up and they're like, this is the difference between wearing a mask and not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From now on, no. Quinn is Abe Lincoln. No. We're just going to give him a stove pipe hat and a, it's and not. a you know, chin strap mask. Hey, um, All right. well, we have so many more important things to talk about. Yeah, like, Save us from you this. Know, you don't have to. You don't have to. Tr you don't have to go very far to find um, a, cra a crazy world around you. So, uh, this is the retreat for people. I hope this is the campfire you can gather around. You can kind of get rejuvenated, and we love telling stories from really cool people. And uh, our friends at Door Counts got us in touch. So Door Counts is our new sponsor, and like I like to say, you might be suffering from track lack. Like you can't track what's happening in your business. You lack the ability to track what's happening in your business. And so door counts got us in touch with one of their customers, Mr. Luis Lopez, who's on the podcast with us today. And LL. LL, he had a, such a cool story to tell um, about door counts. And then I started hearing his story about his business and what's happened over the past seven years. I'm like, we need this guy on the podcast to tell his story. But before we do that, one of the things that we talked about previously was when you implemented door counts, you went to nationwide, you won a door count system, you liked it so much, you bought it for other locations. But one of the coolest things was your mom had been writing everything down on paper and you implemented door counts. And what was her reaction and her experience with it? Yeah. So we, we've been taking, you know, our customer data for a couple months or a, few, a couple of years actually. And when I'm like, mom, now everything's going to turn into technology. We're going to have a camera in the front that's going to take a snap picture or snap of the customer walking in, and you don't have to pay, write it in paper anymore. She goes, no, I want my paper. I want to be able to write it down, you know, by hand. And I told her, mom, you keep missing a lot of customers. It's not easy to keep track of that. So, no, we're turning to dark, dark counts. After training, she loved it so much that she's thankful that I did that. So she was are you sure she did Are you sure she didn't say, "Don't you tell me what we're doing?" Well, that was actually the initial. <laughs> okay, I I thought maybe, but then yeah. she saw it. Then she saw the light. Right. Yeah, she saw the light. Uh, I keep talking about all these really cool reports that come up, and look at this report, Mama. You didn't miss this customer, and and she's loving it. So. That's amazing. Well. If, if people are interested in door counts, um, they can head to doorcounts.com, schedule a demo. And, and Luis, I know that you said, like one of the insights that you got is 80% of the people coming into your store are return customers or referrals. And you didn't know any of that before you had door counts. And it gives you a great piece of business intelligence to make decisions around. Right, yeah, I was actually, I knew that there was a lot of customers coming back because we, we know faces, we know them by name. And everything, but I was just guessing what percentage I was in. I was actually shooting for 50% mark. 
or Mark Kinsley. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was so off because 80% gives me a lot more peace of mind. It's a, it's a big number. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, one of the things that, that we kind of got to dig into when we were talking on the phone earlier was your story and where it started. And it was such a cool story to me. So you're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and in Kenner, Louisiana, you have three locations. You've been in business for seven years, Lopez Furniture. Uh, you're the CEO. Um, and it's really turned into a family business in, in so many different ways. But take us back to the beginning and tell us how you got into the furniture and mattress business and where that story starts. Sure. I mean, it's a story of perseverance, hard work, sweating, crying. You know, I don't know if it's going to be boring, but <laughs> here we go. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we, I, uh, I was, uh, you know, seven years ago, I had a, an idea to open a eight by eight uh, booth out in a swap meet here in Prairieville, Louisiana. I was out there on the weekends. I had three jobs and I was going to college. So I, I didn't really, you know, uh, could do anything more than just an eight by eight. So I had 64 square feet of showroom. And with only a $2,000 investment, I was out there on the weekends, Saturday and Sundays, just, you know, trying to make it. Uh, I bought sofa set. I remember I had a bunk bed and a dining table with a bunch of catalogs that I would show people. And I would just stand outside the booth, smile a lot, try to bring people in to our store. It was hot in the summer, super cold in the winter, dusty, you know, you know, it's, it's just an open slum. So... We, we, were, we were there uh, for a, a year, about a year, a year and a half. And I started growing in that little place. I, I did a, a second rental, a second building. So I had two eight by eights now. So I had 130 square feet of uh, showroom. <laughs> and then I doubled that. So I, I ended up having four spaces there on the weekends. Uh, so that was the beginning of, of Lopez Furniture. And so when you, when you went from one space to four spaces, what were you seeing happening with customers? Were people coming back to see you kind of like we've, we found out with, with referrals and return customers? Um, what kind of merchandise were you selling? Were you becoming known for something? What was that like? Yeah, it was actually, it was actually pretty good because we know with four spaces, we have, you know, we had two to three sofa sets. Now we would bring uh, decor. So we make it nice. Actually, I have pictures of that. I will, I will share them on our Facebook page at Locals Furniture. And I remember I had, a, uh, I had a really good friend of mine that was there sitting down with me on a Sunday, just chilling. And he's like, dude, did you just close a $10,000 sale from here? I'm like, I sure did. <laughs> so those same customers that we had there, you know, were trusting us 100% with their purchases. They were doing $10,000 purchases in that spot. So, you know, it was super cool because it, I mean, we would spend what, $400 a month probably on that spot and we were closing 10,000 in a day. <laughs> no, you know, it was cool. We, we really loved it. It was, it was a way we, but we will put all that passion and all that knowledge that we have into it and, and we will make it look nice. It wasn't like, you know, uh, if you see pictures, you will actually probably not believe what you see. Well, and, and let's back up even more because your story in the furniture and mattress business starts in that eight by eight space in a flea market, but you came to America from Mexico when you were 12 and you didn't speak any English. 
Is that right? Right. Yeah. Where, I can't, I was, I was brought here. Yeah. And what, where did you, where did you go from there? I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's a quite a, quite a story beginning to say you, you came to the U S you didn't speak any English at 12 years old during, you know, a lot of the formative years when people learn English and now all of a sudden you're doing $10,000 tickets out of, out of a flea market booth. T take us right. from like 12 years and 12 years old up. Sure. I mean, you know, success is a pile of failures. And from 12 to 20, 21, I don't know how, uh, there was a lot of failures in between. There was, uh, my dad lost a store in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, me being the oldest son, I had to translate to everybody, our vendors, our uh, landlord. So, you know, all of that happened within eight to 10 years where he opened a business. He was really, really good at it because he, he's been doing it for 35 years. So he knows his stuff, but the crash market happened in 2007 in Phoenix. And that's when we flee out to come to Louisiana. So 12 years old, going to middle school then to high school. And then I went to college, but I didn't know English. I was, uh, uh, I started speaking English probably when I was 18, 19 years old. Uh, and it was really a challenge because it, I didn't feel part of the culture just yet with that, with the, with the language barrier. But as soon as I was able to speak their, you know, our language, I was, I started reading like uh, self-development and, and business books. I, I have 120 books under my belt and, and, and I, I try to read a lot as much as I can so I can consume all of that knowledge from people that had already been through it. And, you know, I feel that there's really cool stories out there that, that are written on books where you can just grab them and, and sort of see yourself in that person. There's a lot of success stories that are really, really good. And, and that, so the language with the, with the combination of, of the reading is what I feel broke my, my knowledge on my mind to, to new levels. What, what were you doing? So first of all, I want to, I want to ask two questions. The first one's about business books. The second one's going to be about mm -hmm. what you were doing when you opened your first booth at the flea market. But if you have 120 books that you've read and you've absorbed a lot of that knowledge, what are some of the books that made a big impact on you? And what were some of those big takeaways for you? The first book that I read ever was called the energy bus. The energy bus talks about a driver that is really, happy to go to work and be able to be passionate about it. And, and I don't know if you told her, if you can tell already, I'm really passionate about the things that I do. You know, you have to love what you do and because it gets harder and, and harder until it gets better. <laughs> so you, you have to be really passionate about what you do. And, and the energy bus is a really tiny book that brought me, uh, you know, it literally made me realize who I was. And, and that I was a passionate person that everything I do, I do it with passion and I do it well. I don't want to just do it for the sake of it. I want to do it the best I, as possible. But there are several books, uh, several authors, uh, John Maxwell, Grant Cardone, all of those guys, you know, have a lot of influence in my life. And, and uh, you know, Dave Ramsey from the financial side. It's, uh, it's always good to have several counselors as, as the Bible speaks. I'm also believers. <laughs> that helps yeah. too, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, doesn't it? 
<laughs> so you talk about your business being built on failure and, and everyone's is. I like how you put that. Can, can you remember a time where maybe you were kind of coming along and maybe it was signing that first lease or one of these moments where you went, I don't know if this is really going to happen. You know, you had, you had had some, you know, wave after wave hit you and there's some adversity there. Did you ever really question it or were you always just determined that it was going to work? Every day I would show up to work for the first, I would say three to four years were the hardest for me. Every single day I would be questioning, why am I doing here? Why do I go find a job? Because this is probably not going to work. But inside of me, I had this fire that was just a desire to get through it. And, and the, uh, so most definitely, there's no way that I, that, that question hadn't crossed my mind where I want to just drop the towel and just continue doing something different. But I knew that at the other side, you know, the, the grass was greener. I knew that all the hard work that I was going to put in, you know, had, had to have an effect. And I, I just knew because all of, all of these counselors, all these books that I've been reading, like the story of Sam Walton over at Walmart, you know, uh, Steve Jobs, Everybody has struggles in their, in their lives. And, and I knew that I wasn't going to be an exception. I was going to be able to get through it and, and talk about it uh, in the future and hopefully help a lot of people realize that it gets easier. It's not going to stay hard. It's going to get easier and, and you're going to be able to have an impact on the people around you for your sacrifice. So. Whenever you first opened up that 8x8 eight eight booth, did you have another job? What were you doing at the time? Yeah, I was actually a server at Golden Corral, uh, and then I was a, a salesman at a furniture store, and I was a estimator at a construction company. All those three jobs, kind of, um, at the the restaurant job was always. I would go after work for. I would show up to Golden Corral five six, and then I would go to work until eleven at Golden Corral. And then I would go to sleep, get up the next morning, go to work at eight, eight to four, and then go eat. The rest a little bit until six and then do it all over again but but then for the furniture job i will be i will be with them from for tax season because that's the busiest for the for them and then for the construction job i will be with them in the summer when uh, it will slow down for the furniture but no none of them did let me go so they wanted me to be around for at least a day a week they're like i don't i'm not letting you go i want to keep you for a day what day do you want to come in and it was vice versa. The construction and the furniture, they were kind of, uh, they knew that, that I was going to be, you know, a season with this one and then a season with the other. I don't know if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you were a great employee that they enjoyed having around and they were fighting to keep you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always did stuff. Uh, I would always put the shirt on. My dad always says, you know, put your shirt, put the company's shirt on and, and do things as that was your company. Do it with all of the passion and all of the joy because at the end of the day, you know, that that's going to bring you to places. It sounds like you're, it sounds like your dad's a pretty wise guy and a, and a go-getter. What, what's he like? He's uh he's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he's had, uh, you know, his moments with uh, business it's entrepreneurship and, and uh, I mean, you know, he, he sort of gave us the go. You guys old enough, go, go do it yourself and I'll, I'll 
push you and 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 support you and all that can. Uh, but he's kind of he came came out to the company uh, about a year ago, and I mean his 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 spirit has been here for for the last you know seven years and but but the last year it's made a huge transformation in our business and I mean he tells us how it is and he tells us we're doing things wrong and like that numbers are going up social media does work Facebook does work he goes what's what you need to print out you know flyers and hang them out. I'm like no, not anymore. That's the old times. <laughs> it's digital, Dad. It's we don't digital. need flyers anymore. We're gonna geofence the store and serve up advertising to everyone who drives by. You can't do that. <laughs> right? No, we we ended up uh, ordering like a hundred thousand flyers, and and he's like, I'll be in charge of distributing these flyers, and I'll be in uh, out there in New Orleans, Canner. I'll be in Lafayette, you know, Baton Rouge. And I think we still have like 70,000 sitting in our warehouse. <laughs> I'm like, see, it's not that easy, Dad. <laughs> Here, watch, Dad. I'm going to distribute a half a million. Click. There we go. There you go. <laughs> and your dad, though, is only one member of your family that works for a business. Describe how it's kind of turned into a family business and what's that, what's that like? Yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to work with your family. It's hard at the beginning. I mean, I, I, I really don't. Uh, I mean, I have so many stories about, you know, fights and crying and- Well, tell us a good one. Tell us a really good one. <laughs> well, I Don't make him cry, Kinsley. <laughs> well, so we, we opened the store in Baton Rouge after being in the flea market. And my mom, she really wanted tile in that store. And I mean, it, it was a thousand square foot at the beginning but I knew that there was five other spaces that were open right next door to us. And I knew one day we were gonna knock down every wall and get all those spaces into our bell, which is 5,000 square feet, which is now, nowadays. And I'm like, mom, you know what happens with tile and styrofoam when you open all the furniture? Styrofoam is gonna be all over. You're not gonna be able to get that. I'm like we're doing you know, high traffic carpet. And we had a fight over that she, I mean, we, she cried and, and I'm like, mom, I'm not trying to make you uh, cry. I'm just trying to make it easier for us. We're going to vacuum. We're going, instead of going chasing, you know, all over styrofoam. And sure enough, I had to put my foot down and say, we're doing high traffic carpet and it's going to be red so we can match with our logo colors. And she actually thanked me after couple of years she's like that was the greatest decision because it's hard to get a styrofoam even with the vacuum i can't imagine it on tile i'm like okay that's good <laughs> so that's just one of many well we're i don't think that uh that's nice that mom came around number one mm -hmm. and and you guys have a good enough relationship for her to be like i see you know i see where you were going with this i see the vision i'm glad it all worked out um but it, it, it obviously challenging whenever you work in a family business, also really rewarding. Um, t take us through the list of everybody in your family that works in the business. Sure. Yeah. So we, um, uh, I'm the oldest son. I have three siblings. Um, they all work their different careers before, you know, coming on board and, and enjoying what we're creating here. Uh, my dad and my mom. So it's six of us. So my, my little brother, Josue, uh, actually runs a store in Kenner. He is, you know, the, he, I let him do all decisions uh, uh, about marketing and stuff. He's the young one. 
so he knows marketing or how it works and, and how people young people think over uh, online marketing uh, he he's also a salesman and, and he's great and I have Jay he's my uh, uh, his second oldest he's actually our general manager he's in charge of everything that has to do with the POS system he's the technology guy for us he's our IT guy he can uh, create inventory he can create systems uh, around the warehouse, how to, he can fix anything, man. It's so crazy. This guy can pretty much patch a leather couch just out of creativity. He doesn't know how to do it, but he will do it just because he has that mind. And, and he's also a general manager, like I said, he's the mean one. He's probably gonna hear this. And he, so he can, he can get in front of customers that are just trying to get their way and he will calm them down and find a solution for that at all, at all times. And then I have Judith, she's our administration manager. She's the one that runs all the payroll, all the payables. Uh, she's been with me since the beginning. Uh, she, she's been through a lot <laughs> with me, uh, just trying to make payroll sometimes, you know, uh, back in the future, in the past, I mean. Uh, and, and she's been, she's, she's been, uh, she's been great. She's, she's, she's very uh, sweet. She's the popular one over at the store where, where's Judith? Everybody wants to see Judith because mm. she's very calm, <laughs> very sweet. Never talks back, never has a other, anything that a smile on her face. And then my mom, it's our salesman uh, and she runs pretty much everywhere that, is, that she's needed. And then my dad, it's uh, pretty much like uh, our anchor, you know, he's our, any questions we have, we go to him and, He's also a salesman and he's really good at it. Luis, if you were, I mean, you've read a lot of business books <clears throat> and in the business books, a lot of times they say, okay, here's the key to success. If you're talking to anyone out there thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or doing what you do, reflect a little bit on your success. Is there one or two things that have really been like the cornerstone of the success that you have today? Yeah, there's always, there's always that doubt in yourself about you know running, going to business on your own. Uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a lot of hard work. It's not going to be easy. You have to uh, put in more hours than a regular employee. Uh, you have to uh, sacrifice days. Man, I didn't make it to my my uh, three nieces' uh, first, second, and third birthdays. I will show up and you know, in my delivery truck, all dirty, and they were picking up from the party, and they're like, you're missing out all of the fun with the family. Well, one day I'll be here early. <laughs> so there's always sacrifices. There's always perseverance. Those words are very cheesy, but that's pretty much how it is. There's nothing else than, than just putting the work in, and, and you know, one day things are going to get better. There's going to be, it's going to be more fun. You're going to be able to just look back and say everything that I did was worth it. You know, like uh, Steve Jobs said uh, in a speech, he said that you have to connect the dots. Every failure that you go through in, in your life or in your business adventure, you know, it's, it's, it has a reason. Everything that, that you go through, uh, you, you kind of start thinking about it once it happens and, and you realize why it happened and where it headed you to. Uh, so it's uh, it's all it's all about trusting the process, being very patient. Nothing will come overnight. 
don't buy the new luxurious car the first year or don't expect to get that kind of profit. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get a pay until I got married. <laughs> My wife was actually freaking out because I didn't have a paycheck. I didn't, she asked me, how much do you make a month, babes? I have no clue. I really don't. I don't have a check. You know, she's like, how are we going to survive like that? I'm like, well, I don't have a paycheck, but I do live comfortably and I don't need anything. So we, after I got married, of course, uh, women like structure. So I, I sort of, you know, make a payment for myself so she can be, she can have peace. And, and uh, but yeah, perseverance, uh, patience, all of those things are, are part of, of becoming a, a uh, you know, a good entrepreneur and, and having, having the, uh, the peace that it brings you, the, the freedom, all of that of stuff that comes with uh, entrepreneurship. What's going to happen next with you, Luis? I mean, is it, you've got your three stores in Baton Rouge and Kenner. You've got family working for the business. What's the vision beyond today? The vision beyond today is I moved to Las Vegas about two years ago. I want to open a market in the West. Uh, that's been in my heart for the longest time. And I see, the, uh, I see an opportunity out there. I see that I can offer something different to the market. It's a huge market, but... I come with different ideas and different uh, things. So my, uh, my idea has always been to be able to partner up with other entrepreneurs that are also passionate that want to get ahead in life and that are willing to put the work in and just partner up in different cities throughout the country. Let's, let's do Dallas, let's do Salt Lake, let's do Phoenix. I have friends all over those states that, or cities that I just mentioned. And, and you know, I'm, we stay in contact contact constantly to be able to just build them as entrepreneurs, you know, help them out with questions, uh, just try and change that mindset. And, and uh, you know, because it's all in the mind. When, once you change your way of thinking and your mindset, it, it, pretty much transforms your outside. It's like a seed that you have, uh, like a flower that you have to put a seed in and then you have to water it every day until it actually comes out. Uh, so, you know, just building, building relationships uh, with other uh, alike, like minds. And, and just one day, you know, I see, I see having, I don't know, man, but I think my vision board says by 2033, I should have 20 or plus stores. And I believe that's going to happen because I move away, you know, to Las Vegas, away from my family and, and just to start a new market out there. And it wasn't easy to move, but I, I, it was because I knew what I needed to do that. I needed to move away and, and kind of start seeing other markets to, to get, get open. It's a big, it's a big long-term vision, but in the more immediate future, there's another piece of the puzzle that's about to fall into place. And so um, I got to ask Quinn because I know what's going to happen. You have a two-year-old and tomorrow you're going to find out <laughs> If the baby that's on the way is a boy or a girl, Quinn, boy or girl, what do you think? <laughs> I think she's going to be beautiful. <laughs> and I think you're going to have two little girls that have you wrapped around their finger. And oh then your wife is going to talk you into a third. And you're going to have a strapping young man on your hands and you're going to have three children and the two older sisters are going to dress them up and 
you know, <laughs> make sure that all the girls that come after him later on are appropriate for him. And it's going to be awesome. And his so name Kinsley, is where be, you, where's your head? His, well, in the third one that you're talking about, I can envision him, his name being Marcos. Marcos, yeah, for sure. Marcos, I like that. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> he, his, his son could be the very first kid ever named after this show. It's about time. Marcos Lopez, I like it. Marcos <laughs> Lopez, yeah. I'll get it through my wife and we'll see for sure. <laughs> Luis, we should probably you, ask her. What do you think you're gonna have? What do you think you're gonna have? Like the announcement's gonna happen tomorrow. What are they doing? They're doing a confetti cannon, a cake. What? How? How do you make these announcements these days? You, on what the gender you is? nailed it. You nailed it, Mark. We're actually doing a cake. So, I mean, you know, you want the boy. You want that baseball player. You want that guy that is gonna play soccer in high school and is gonna be popular and is gonna be yeah. super successful. But You've already got the girl, right? What's so wrong with the boy? girl? <laughs> what's wrong with the girl? They're so sweet. They, you know, like uh, Mark, Mark Quinn said, they, you know, they're gonna, she's, she's a, she has me, she controls me. That's my weakness. Like she can say whatever and I'm there because otherwise she'll start crying <laughs> or she'll start, she knows how to, how to really move daddy. <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Eva Marie. Eva Marie. So Eva Marie all wrapped around your, she's got oh you wrapped gosh. around her finger. Oh yes. <laughs> well, congratulations on the new baby, whatever the gender is. You're going to have to let us know. and we'll re We're going to report back on the show. So anybody who, who's wondering whether it's a boy or a girl, little Marcos or Eva Marie part two, um, we'll, we'll let people know. So make sure and, and circle back and congratulations on that. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, Luis, I, I just want to tell you that um, we loved hearing your story. Um, people that listen to the show are going to love hearing your story because uh, it's inspirational. And I, uh, we had a guy on the show called, his name is David Saxon. He wrote a book called Soul of an Entrepreneur. And Kinsley, uh, Luis is like totally dead nuts on, right? What David Sachs writes about. And, and it's uh, someone with passion who wants to control kind of their business and their future uh, at the major um, downside of giving up, you know, um, certainty and taking on risk, but you knew that going in and you wrestled that thing to the ground. You kept a really positive mind and attitude and you have persevered and grown your business. And I love hearing stories like that. You can bounce on it. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. Cool as ice. And I'm hot like a heater. Bounce by the ounce. Now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth or bounce all night. Yeah. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get high. Sing high. If you want 
somebody to get in your vicinity You probably wanna feel a little bit of a hybridity Phone alone? Out of five, maybe one star Springs and phone, we're taking care of that lumbar Mad back support The best way to shack up or just get rest That won't mess your back up Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist Or a mullet party in the back of the business Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus The ultimate hybrid Nothing short of genius Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl wanna chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce You'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react Then you can't get low We got the type of bounce That won't spill your Merlot So stick with us And you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle And I'm so supportive Hybrid is where the magic is And we just killed a song about mattresses Oh! <laughs>